We welcome along Scott Sharp. Today we're to, oh, we've got a candy pink fiesta. Very pretty. Yes, it's a beautiful little flower. And it, it's look, it's it's fast growing and it's long flowering. So, I mean, what more can you want from That'll a plant? That'll prove popular, garden? I think. Yeah, yeah. We'll, have, we'll have a talk about that in a little while. And sweet pea preparation. Yes, it's almost St. Uh, Pat's Day. So, it's almost time to put in the sweet peas. Uh, I was up at the bay last uh, yesterday. We saw some beautiful sun impatience up there. And uh, cochineal, we'll talk about where it comes from. Okay, all that plus your calls. We invite you to give us a call on 492162. And Scott, all of our listeners go in the draw to win a prize. That's correct. For the fabulous veggie pod, look, it's worth about 200 bucks. So it's a fantastic prize. All you've got to do is ring up and ask me a question. I mean, how easy can that easy. be? Easy. And it's right through to one o'clock. And we've got Don with us now from Gwendolyn. Hey, Don, how can we help you? Uh, it's me fig tree. It's only a young tree. I had it last year in a pot and I transplanted it. It's, it's growing really well. It's got a heap of figs on it. Mm-hmm. They, they don't seem to be ripening. If I remember last time about this, uh, last year about this time, the figs were ripening mm-hmm. and starting to, to come good. And also the leaves are curling and they've got sort of like a burning or a rust mark on them. I've sprayed it with uh, oh, pest oil. I thought it might have been pest getting under the leaves. And I've also sprayed it with um, a confidor because I thought they might be little... Um, you know, mites in there or something, but nothing seems to be happening. The figs are getting bigger and they're green and there's a load of them, but they're not ripening at all. Yeah, look, Don, Don the only thing, uh, you just have to wait for the climate to ripen the figs. That's uh, unfortunately the only thing you can do, but it sounds like your figs got mildew. Uh, look, they, they can get a mildew under the leaves, so that's probably that white stuff that you're seeing in under the leaf, and that would make it curl up and eventually brown off and, and not look, uh, you know, real happy about itself. Now, the thing to uh, treat any uh, mildew like that with is uh, Mancozeb Plus. Uh, it's a, a powder that you get. You mix it up with water. You spray it all in under the leaves, uh, and that actually gets rid of it. It also forms a protective coating as well. Uh, you'd spray it all over the top, all underneath, and that should get rid of it. Unfortunately, they make once, like, you know, the, the leaves are a bit twisted up, and they've browned off like that they're not really going to come good uh, so it's only going to be next year once you get to the humidity again you know at the start of february that's when you'd start spraying the mancozeb just to try and keep those fungal diseases under control and use it as a preventative at that time it's four nine two one six two one six. if you'd like to give us a call for gardening talkback we're here right through until one o'clock today now let's have a look at the sweet pea preparation yeah, about that. yeah, it's 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 really quite simple. There's you know the old urban myth about you know you have, you have to have your uh, sweet pea peas in. You have to actually stick them in for St Pat's Day, and that I believe is in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, yeah. But the reasoning for that in Australia is that hopefully the you know it's started to cool down. It's a little bit more like autumn. The humidity's hopefully gone away because the sweet peas don't like uh, the humidity. So what you do is you just start to prepare your soil now, getting ready to put them in the ground. And to do that, sweet peas like a, a sweet soil, so you put in dolomite lime to keep that uh, to get that uh, nice and sweet for you uh, you might also put in some uh, some poultry manure as well because that will also uh, sweeten up the soil as well but the most important thing is to get your dolomite lime into the soil start turning it over wait for that humidity to go away hopefully that's going to be on some pat's day i know you've got other stuff on your mind on some pat's day oh yeah yeah guinness <laughs> guinness yeah. jamison's yeah. irish whiskey <laughs> all of those things so uh, that's the time to put it in to be sure to be sure june's with us now from buff point Hey, June, now you're not here to talk about uh, Dave and my stomach, are you, from Buff Point? I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) How can we help you? I have got a a plastic garbage uh, compost bin, which I've had for quite a while, and it's crawling with little grey 
um, bugs. We used to call them say bugs. I don't know what you call them now, but it's absolutely crawling with them. And I don't know whether to keep it going. I haven't been putting anything in it just for the last few days or to get rid of the lot. I would try, uh, look, probably a pyrethrin-based insecticide because you don't want, if you're using it as a compost bin, you want to try and keep it as, you know, as, as green as possible. So, oh, it's mucky inside. It's very wet. Oh, very okay. Wet inside. Look, if you want to try and get rid of those bugs, I would use a pyrethrin-based um, because then, you know, it's it's not really, you know, affecting anything. You're not using a, a, no. a potent insecticide. So py- no. pyrethrin will get rid of those bugs. Okay. But if, but if, if your uh, compost is all, you know, wet and it's... it's Ooh, gone, it's whole. Yeah, <laughs> it might be worth starting again if it's really yeah, really horrible yeah, yeah yeah have you used any lime in there just to try and no, sweeten it no i haven't it? Yeah. No, so, just, uh, i just put you know the veggie things um scraps and grass, grass cuttings and um dry leaves that have been coming down yeah um you know, I don't. Put, I haven't put anything else into it. Look, it sounds like you're doing the right things. A little bit of lime doesn't hurt, but look, if you start to get those those sort of in, insect infestations in there, it's probably time to you know either change it over or get rid of those insects using a, a natural insecticide, and then wait a couple of weeks and see what happens. But um, yeah, okay. Thank you, June. Now, Scott, what is nutgrass? Nutgrass is a little grass that it comes up with little funny seed head. That is it of, good? Oh no. no, not really. It's a weed. <laughs> It's a weed. <laughs> it's a weed. Oh, this is not good news for Robert at Aberglass. And it's a weed, Robert. I, I know it's a weed. <laughs> um, it suddenly appeared in, in my, both in my front and back areas. Yes. Uh, slightly more than an acre. So it's, it's, I can't treat it like a lawn. I just treat it as grassless land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, with the wetter January and February we've had, suddenly it's sprung up. In, in the protected areas next to a hedge and uh, uh, at the front and a windbreak down the back. Look, that, that's unfortunately that, you know, we get to this time of year, it's wet, it's hot, you know, all the weeds and things, they just love growing at this time of year. But what's probably happened, though, is that they're actually wind-borne seeds. So the wind has carried those seeds to different areas in your garden. And right. with the, the climatic conditions we've had, they've just gone bang and taken off on you and uh, they're going to take over. Uh, look, there are chemicals you can get um, that you can use to spray and it will selectively take them out of the lawn and grass area. Yes. I'd be very, very careful, though, about going and using those chemicals in a garden area. Right. Uh, because they could harm the plants that are there. But certainly the chemicals that you can get, you can use on your lawn and you spray everywhere. And right. that will get rid of uh, nutgrass for you and try and keep it under control. It used to be called anti-pass. Uh, you know, it's paspalum killer. You'll, you'll find one of those chemicals that's generally to get rid of paspalum. And when you look on the back, it shouldn't mention nutgrass as well as being a chemical okay. to get rid of it. Yeah. Now, one of the one of the complications that, that just sprung to my mind there, um, we have a, an absorption trench down the back for our rainwater. Mm-hmm. Uh, and below that, because it's a little damper than anywhere else, uh, Paspalum compressum has taken over from the cooch and, and kikuyu. Yes. Uh, if I spray antipass on the nutgrass areas, uh, that may have an adverse effect on the on the. Uh, on the paspalum compressum too, I guess. Yes, that, that, that's that's true. Uh, the only I'd look, I'd just be careful about what the manufacturer says about that area. You know that you're using for the um, for the water treatment, just to see if you are able to use chemicals like that around the area. And at Macquarie Hills, is is it Velta? Yes, Velta. Yes. Hello, Velta. How can we help you? Um, I just wanted to ask about snow peas. Yes. Um, you, you were talking about the sweet peas. 
earlier on, I was wondering whether the snow peas uh, preparation would be similar. Yes, it is, in fact, um, very, very well picked up. Yeah, look, you do exactly the same thing for snow peas as you do for sweet peas. Uh, look, they're all sort of related to each other. So, yeah, look, you try and sweeten up the soil. You get some uh, poultry manure in there as well. Uh, that's what you usually do for most winter veggies. That's what I always recommend, that you use uh, cow manure for uh, summer veggies. And then when you get to, to winter and autumn, you use the poultry manure. But certainly, oh, yeah, right. use, yeah, use the dolomite lime and get that in there yeah. for any peas, yeah. Yeah, okay. okay. And you were talking about nutgrass too. I, I, I was wondering what it looks like. Oh, look, it's just like, it's a little, it, it's got a little seed head. It comes up and then you get three <laughs> little spikes coming off it. And in the middle of that, there's a little spiky sort of uh, little seed head in there. Oh, Dave's here. He's looking. He thinks it looks like a macadamia tree, and that's his eyes are lit up. He thinks, yeah. nut A macadamia grass. tree. <laughs> Happy days if you've yeah. got that. <laughs> no, it's just that I've got this funny grass growing, and it sort of spreads like in the root. Yes. And, but, and, and I suspect from – because it has funny little – uh, uh, seedy heads that come up um, after the long, the, the longer grass of it grows. It's not really high, but uh, it's a little bit sort of limey green, and and it just seems to be going all over the yeah, place. Yeah, it, it, it could be. And the other thing, when you try and pull nutgrass out, like you said, you get these funny roots that like that look like they're starting to spread out in under the ground. So yes. it, it could well be nutgrass that you've got. What I'd do is pull some mm. out, take it to your local garden centre. They'll be able to identify it for you and then uh, give you a chemical that you can spray all over right. your lawn and uh, and it should uh, fix does, that up. Does, would zero or glyphosate do the trick? Oh, if only if you're very, very careful and you can get each one. But it, the the danger of that is if you're you know not a very good shot, um, you know you're not Clint Eastwood, then you're going to actually get the grass in underneath it. It's going to die, and you're going to have all these bare patches. Yeah, well, this is sort of in around bricks and and pavers and. Oh, you know, my son tried to do a job uh, helping me with uh, making paths out of pavers very roughly, but it's sort of grown grown in between, actually in between mondo grass as well. Yeah, well, look, it, if it you think... to take advantage of everywhere. If you think you're a good enough shot, then, uh, look, certainly you can just use Glypho or Roundup or Zero, whatever you want to call it, and uh, anything it touches, it's going to kill, so you have to be careful about that. Not the pavers, of course, they're already stone dead. Um, but uh, any plants that it touches, it will kill. So if you're a good shot, go for it, yeah. And look, anyone that calls up today, again, goes into the draw for the veggie pod. So uh, good luck, Velta. To when you are FM, it's Gardening Talk back. Now, Scotty, I think we might have a solution here for this dastardly nut grass. We've got Don joining us from Maitland. He's got a solution for us, Don. We, we always love a solution. Don, how can you help us? Oh, good, thanks. I, I found out that tempera will kill nut grass. Oh, that now, look, that does that. where did you get that from? Because it's I sent- bought it from um, Lean Market, um, yeah, okay. So that, that that can be a problem for, look, your average gardener, you know, who's just got a small backyard. Um, some of those chemicals are actually meant for the farm. And as small retailers, like your, your usual, you know, average local garden centre, we're not allowed to sell those sort of things. So it might be that the base chemical in there is the same as the paspalum and nutgrass killers that we've got. Um, so look, for your average gardener, your best is to go into your local garden centre and try and uh, get those ones that are actually registered for you to use. Uh, sorry to disagree with you, but in their instructions, they make mention about small areas. Okay. Uh, and you use five, um, uh, uh, have a little measure in there, about five milligrams, I think. Yep. And you mix that up in five or ten litres of water, 
Away you go. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you, Don, but what usually happens is that we, as a garden centre, we're not allowed to sell those products. You have to be somewhere like Landmark who is selling products, uh, you know, for the larger areas. And so if you went into most garden centres around Newcastle, you wouldn't be able to buy that product. Uh, it may well have the same base chemical in it again, um, but it wouldn't be called that one. So it would just be called something generic. Uh, I think that there's a soils product and they actually call it Paspalum and Nutgrass Killer. So they like to keep it simple for us. All righty. Now we continue on. We've got uh, for you, Scott. Red. Red's joining us right now. Hey, Red. How can we help you? Red? From Redhead, uh, well, we might have lost that line there. It looks like it's uh, dropped down on us. We'll try again. Uh, Diane, it's Diane from Belbird Heights there. Oh, hello. Hello, Diane. Hey, Diane, how can we help you? Oh, yes, um, I discovered this morning when I went out to have a look at my impatience, they've got like a little white um, spot, you know, a sticky little white spot on them. Yes. Uh, what do I do about that? Look, it, it could be uh, this uh, the impatience um, fungus that's coming. It, it just sort of has moved down the coast uh, from up in Queensland. And it's a it's sort of a mildew. Uh, look, you can use copper oxychloride or Mancozeb Plus to try and keep those under control. Uh, eventually, the impatience just sort of starts to wither up and not look very happy at all. Uh, but you do have to try and use the fungicide if possible and keep it under control. It is a very difficult one to uh, get rid of. Uh, bad conditions at the moment with the humidity in the air. Um, so look, if you go and grab some Mancozeb or some copper oxychloride now, give it a try. You might be able to keep it under control. Oh, thank you. Now, I've got another question. Yes, Diane. Um, my roses are not looking very good at the moment. I suppose it's the um, humidity and all that, but what can I do to make them look a little bit better? Yeah, usually at this time they've got plenty of black spot all over them. It's very, they have. Yeah, very difficult. You can use triferine. That's a chemical you can use to uh, keep uh, black spot under control on your roses. Uh, look, in February, I know it's March now, but you still can give them a very light prune and a very good feed. Uh, it's probably the time to do it now still. Uh, if you give it a feed, and in a few weeks' time, you'll get all those new shoots coming back out. Hopefully, the humidity's gone away by then, and the uh, plant will, you know, thrive all the way back through until June and July, when you can uh, give it a heavy prune. All right. Hopefully, that helps you. Thank you for giving us a call here at Two and RFM. And I want to find out. Let's talk a little bit about the Candy Pink Fiesta. Yes, it's an agast agastache. I knew I'd get that out eventually. I've been practicing it here. Did for, well. Yeah, for the last half hour, and I did well. It's a really beautiful plant. It's got big, long, sort of bracked flowers. They're pink in colour. Uh, they, they flower for quite some time. The whole plant's very quick Is growing. it good for a large garden area or a smaller garden Look, area? Look, it is. I think it's that sort of plant that you, you use in a cottage garden. It spreads out. It gets to about 90 centimetres. It gets to about 60 centimetres wide. Again, it's really dry, tolerant, fast growing, and just a good old tough plant, but with these beautiful soft pink flowers that are like a big spike that comes out of, out of them. Uh, look, they also attract uh, birds and butterflies because the nectar of those pink flowers is quite attractive. And the uh, foliage has a really nice uh, minty fragrance when you sort of rub through it. You wouldn't use it as mint. How long will it flower for? Yeah, look, it'll flower for about six to eight weeks at this time of year. Really good plant. Very nice. Looks very nice. It'd be yeah. beautiful to have in the garden. Two in URFM 103.7. It is Gardening Talk back from Monday afternoon. Scott Sharp is here and Peter joins us now from Lambton. Hey, Peter, how can we help you? Uh, look, recently I uh, sprayed my lawn for army grub and uh, they purposely come out the ground and I, I thought I'd got them all. But uh, I went to my birthday party yesterday at my son's place and come home and I think they've brought the whole platoon back and they've cleaned the backyard out. <laughs> and I'm just wondering how often you've got to spray to keep them out. So, mate, when, when, did, you, when did you spray for them? Oh, 
about three or four weeks ago. Yeah, so look, unfortunately, like um, all insects, the... Uh, there's little legs waiting down there in the soil. Uh, so the moth might have, uh, you know, come along after you've sprayed and laid the eggs in the soil. And then with that cycle that they have, they will hatch out within that time at, the, at this time of year. So what's prob- you've done the right thing. You've got rid of them all, but uh, there might have still been some eggs in the soil or some moths have subsequently come along. And they've uh, laid some eggs and up they've come. And like you said, the whole platoon's given it a, a good old job. They've probably uh, employed some panzers or some sort of tank or something to, <laughs> to blast your lawn away. So, look, mate, you're probably going to have to treat again. And it's really important that you treat now um, because you don't want those eggs laying in wait for next year. So it's really important you try and break that cycle at the moment. Probably do it now and again in two weeks' time. Now, Scott, a lemon tree. Yes. Yep, we've got Rod from Shoal Bay wants to talk to you about a lemon tree. Hey, Rod, we had a fantastic time up there at the bay yesterday, so how can I help you? I'll return the favour. It was a beautiful day, wasn't it? Oh, it's a sparkling day up there. Fantastic, yeah. Yeah. Um, I have not got a platoon of army grubs, but I have got an open cut with uh, leaf miners in my lemon trees. They have been outrageous this year. They've just been going off. Um, Look, the only way to really control a leaf miner now is using eco-oil. It forms a preventative um, layer over the uh, leaf. So what you do is you prune off any of the stuff that's been affected and any new growth that comes on, that's where the uh, moth is going to lay the egg and the weevil will get into the uh, into the leaf that way. So you only spray it when the new growth is on. Use eco-oil as a, pre- as a preventative coating. Uh, I'll yeah, probably, I did that. Yeah. I, um, I cut them I just when I, I just bought this place here mm-hmm. and um, the trees were sick, so I got some advice from... Uh, someone to cut them, which I did right yep. back. And I was I was actually obsessed with this stuff, this eco oil. Mm-hmm. Every time a new little bit come out of an eighth of an inch long, I'd spray it. Um, it became an obsession. I went away for two weeks. Yep. And I've come back and there's just there in full frenzy. There's bigger than ever. Yeah, look, I, I, it's going to be that two-week period that you're away, I reckon, that's going to have done the damage. Because <laughs> we've been using it at work, and I'm, I'm you know, usually pretty reticent to go and recommend something, but we've been using it at work. Yeah. Um, and we've been using it probably every week. Uh, there was one time where Bunch we just, week. yeah, where we decided yeah. to use it twice a week just to make sure because a whole lot of new growth had come on, and yeah. we we have kept it under control at work better than we have uh, in years. Um, and so the eco oil is working. I'm I'm quite happy to recommend it. Right uh, it's, it's doing a fantastic job, but unfortunately, yeah, it has been that consistency. We've been using it pretty much every week to keep it under control. Yeah. yeah. Do, do I cut this old stuff off? Or yeah. Look, if it's if it's parts? yeah, if it's that badly damaged, you are better just to cut it off. Hope, hopefully, you'll get some regrowth again. Um, yep. You know, in two weeks' time or so, and then be vigilant. Then try and keep that eco oil up to it at that time thank you, thank you. until it hardens off, and then you'll be right. No worries. Okay. okay thank Thanks, you. Rod. Come back anytime to show by you. Well, mate, we had dolphins. We had everything up there. They're beautiful. Oh, it was lovely. Yeah. Isn't it? Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. And we've got Red with us now. Hopefully, you can hear us. Hey there, Scott. Yes. How can we help you, Red? Uh, I've got a couple of different problems. Yep. Um, hopefully, you can help me with the gardening ones. Yep. Uh, um, I've got a uh, lemon tree that's grown in a pot, and I think it's a uh, Eureka. And it's been in the uh, pot for a couple of years, and I've had some lemons off it, but it's now started to grow clusters of lemons, and they're quite small on uh, like probably like five. Yes. And they're about the size of a cherry tomato, and they're all growing off the one stem. Right, mate. Look, have you been fertilising that plant at all? A um, little bit of uh, uh, the um, liquid nitrogen potash thing. Yes. And a very light application of uh, dynamic, organic dynamic lifter. Right. 
and that's pretty well about it. Right, so look, I reckon citrus is one of the heaviest feeding plants that you'll ever get, and in a pot it's even harder for them. Uh, I recommend um, fertilising every uh, three months with, yep. with citrus in pots, and look, you can use those slow-release fertilisers like you've been doing and the potash. Yep. Uh, that should... Um, help the flowering and everything for the plant along uh, but it, look it really is just that uh, that regularity that you have you have to try and do it every three months and uh, keep it up at that time um, look if it looks a little bit unusual like uh, it, it's diseased in some way I'd grab some of that and take it into your local garden centre see if they can help you out with it as well uh, but I'd say that your regular feeding is going to be the most important thing I hope we helped you with at least that problem Red Let's head nearby your home Carrington Cherie's with us Cherie Sunny Carrington, fantastic. <laughs> too hot there, but it gets too hot. Oh, it's not. It's like an island. It's an island. We're surrounded by the beautiful water everywhere. Too hot there. Cherie, back me up. Come on, please. <laughs> I'm just um, wanting to talk about my lemon tree. You don't want to talk about Sunny Carrington? Too hot there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love Carrington. Uh, it's very sunny, and it is near the water, and it's a beautiful place. It is. Thank you, Cherie. Dave's here. He's just curled up under the desk now because he knows he's beaten. He's a beaten man. <laughs> yeah. How can we help you with your lemon? It's looking very, very sad. It's got yellow, yellowing leaves. There are some grasshoppers on it. Yes. They're munching away at them. But there's lots of them that are curled over and they have this sort of eaten away look, like the sap's been, been drawn out of them. And I don't quite know what to do. It's really taking over the whole tree almost. So look, like Rod from up at Shoal Bay, I reckon you've got a citrus leaf miner in it, in it at the moment. It's everywhere. It is absolutely rife. And that would give that sort of curled up and, and horrid look to the plant. The grasshoppers will be having a chomp at it as well. Mm. Uh, how often are you fertilising it? Oh, not often enough, okay. I don't think. <laughs> That's a very, a very good and honest answer. I would be giving uh, your plant some regular fertilising, like every three months, uh, treat with eco-oil for the uh, leaf miner and uh, try and get the grasshoppers out of the way with a pair of scissors and cut the head off. Enjoy Carrington Cherie. There you go. Thank you. We're almost out of time. Another busy one. Plenty of calls. Thank you so much for your input. And well done, Scott. Back again next week. Thank you.